Uh, now we're going to enter into uh, another series, uh, and somebody shout, let the church rise, let the church rise. So this is for everybody. It's everybody. You don't have to be a member of freedom for this to be about you. You need to be a member of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody a part of the family? Are you part of the family? Uh, but one way or another, you might not know where you are. This is going to help you. Uh, and, and this is the, just the theme of this, and there's a reason for it, and that is because we are in a very holy season right now, an incredibly holy season. I know you thought, well, I thought that ended at Easter, but no, we are in a holy season, and there's a few things that we need to deal with. One is, uh, uh, is ascension. Uh, ascension is a celebration of the church. It is an ancient church day. I mean, our, 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 our church forefathers celebrated a particular day after the resurrection is Ascension Day. That usually falls on a Thursday, so kind of makes it difficult, unless we're going to get together on a Thursday, which we are this coming week. Uh, and then... Uh, uh, we, we're, we're wanting to deal with that. But then next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. Yes. Somebody's getting their tambourine and coming to church next Sunday. You know, ascension, 40 days after the resurrection. Uh, uh, Pentecost, 50 days after the ascension. The birthday of the church. And... These are, these are holy days for us, but we also want, I'm going to take you further, and we're going to talk about the mission of the church so we can clarify why did he fill us with his spirit? Why did he ascend? Why did he fill us with his spirit? So, uh, but I did throw this scripture just as a launching point for this, and that is Matthew 17 and 20. Read this out loud with me. You've got it in your notes, or you can, perhaps can read it from there. Jesus says, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, and did you read that? Did you read that in your spirit? So there's a few key words that I'll just hit swiftly. One is faith. And I would ask you the question, what do you believe faith is? Now, remember, Jesus said in this, if you have faith. Uh, let's, let's just throw in a few synonyms there. If you believe, if you are persuaded, is anybody persuaded? Is anybody persuaded that Jesus is who he says he is? If you are persuaded, if you have conviction, some people say, well, this doesn't work. I can't move any mountains. You don't, I mean, the, the, the scripture is full of mountains, mountain moments, the mountain of the Lord. I mentioned Moriah earlier, Mount Sinai, all of these mountain moments. Are you fully convinced? Are you still just kind of sitting on the edge? If you can just get over the line, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can speak to this mountain and, and, I, and I know that even as I tell you this, some of you are still struggling. You think, oh, that's just religious stuff. That's because you've lived kind of religiously, but not spiritually. Amen. Anybody been there before? I have. Anybody been there where you were just kind of, you know, going through the motions without it being a spiritual event in your life? Today is a spiritual event. Do you realize that you are being transformed right now? Right now, pay attention. Some mountains are moving in your heart. But this particular scripture, the context of it, 
Uh, back in Matthew 17, verse 17, uh, uh, Jesus is dealing with a boy who had suffered from a, who was suffering from a spiritual attack, and the disciples just couldn't do anything about it. And here's what was going on. The disciples were just going through the motions. They were just saying, we're here in Jesus' name. Now you leave him alone. You might say, well, if I say in Jesus' name, everything happens. No. Some, there's a lot of people that use the name of Jesus. A lot of people. In fact, if, if, if the number of people that said Jesus Christ really believed in Jesus Christ, we would have a massive revival in the world. So his disciples fail, and then you almost hear a frustrated Jesus. I don't like to use the word frustrated, but it's the emotion that I read in Matthew 17, 17. Jesus says, oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Anybody ever said that? How how much longer am I going to have to put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. In other words, you're still not able to walk in the power that I have been training you in. You're still unable to walk in the faith and the power. So his remarks are so telling, and they drive us to establish this teaching series, which will walk us through the next few weeks. This is a generational problem. I don't even think I threw that scripture up there, John 17, 17. I hope you might have it in your notes. But he said, oh, unbelieving and perverse generation. Okay, I'm saying that right now. I'm just going to repeat it. Hey, oh, unbelieving, perverse generation. Can I say that? I mean, we're living in a world right now that thinks it's got it all figured out. But what I would like to say is what our world thinks is correction is perverse and faithless. Be careful that you don't respond in a perverted way thinking that it's right. Jesus. You see, we hear the gospel, but sometimes we don't really believe the gospel. Because when we believe it, it changes our lives and it changes our actions. Wow. Are you saying, I believe in Jesus. How is that changing your life? Well, it's not changing your life. Then you don't believe in Jesus. You're just saying you believe in Jesus. Because when you believe in him, can I get a yes? Like a yes, one of those. I was at IHOP. I don't know why, you know, because my brother, I wanted to meet my brother as we drove through town. I had my youngest brother, and he he said, let's meet at IHOP. So we went to IHOP. So anybody work at IHOP? Anybody? Because they need employees, all right? As does almost every store every anybody can't get a job right now ain't looking all right that's all just ain't looking all right Jaira has provided okay so I'm sorry that wasn't nice but happiest waitress walked up to the table and had this multicolored love wins mask on and she just setting me up okay so so I wasn't mad at her she was so happy and but you see, the, the thing is, is it's, the term love wins is a misinterpreted, perverted statement. See what I'm saying? How many know love wins? Anybody know love wins at the cross? How many know love already won? All right. Anybody know that? 
But what we say, when, when our culture is saying love wins, it is a perverted example of that because when you allow the love of God to win, he will transform your life. So lifestyle, family, work, walk, talk. So what Jesus was doing in the scripture was calling the church to rise up. And he's saying, come on, guys. And then he says, what you're, you guys need to fast and pray. That's what he said. He said, what you're dealing with, the only way it goes away is by fasting and prayer. And you say, well, that's a new teaching. No, the scripture has always been. This is Old Testament, New Testament. You will find me when you search for me with all your heart. When, when food is not as important as my presence, you will find me. And there ain't nothing more important than food in the wilderness. Remember the children of Israel in wilderness? Remember that? They were always mad at God when they couldn't eat. Jesus said, well, you weren't even talking to me until you ran out of food. Right? So God has got to be more important than bacon and eggs. So that's what I'm hearing in my spirit. Uh, so... This, this is, we're going to open this up, <laughs> 10, 11, help me, Jesus. I got 15 minutes, somebody pray, all right, so, because we got Sunday school going down there. So look at Acts chapter 1. So in this, Jesus is setting up the church for effectively living by and in the presence of God. And it, it begins this way. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he had also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. Now, some, I'm, pre, I'm reading this right now, and some of you are reading and adhering it, and some of you are going, la, 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 you know? That's the way it is. I'm reading the Bible. I say, oh, maybe he'll get to something. This is the word of the living God, okay? So if I would preach it differently, I would begin to say in Acts chapter 1, beginning in chapter 1, the word of the living God. All right? And then it begins. You say, who's Theophilus? Nobody cares who Theophilus is. All right? So this is written by Luke. All right? The gospel of Luke and Acts is written by who? Luke, all right? Uh, Luke not only was inspired by the Holy Spirit to reveal the Word of God, but he also was apologetically involved in that he pursued everyone. He was financed by Theophilus to travel and get all the background information. You don't hear anything here that was not, not only a account of the Holy Spirit, but was also written according to eyewitnesses. Anybody feel better now? So pay attention. All that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was, next two words, Take, read, taken up after he through whom, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments. He had given his word to the apostles whom he had chosen. He also presented himself alive after his suffering, after the cross, by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart 
from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So that's what Jesus said. And then in verse, going down to verse 9. When he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So there are three main teachings here. There's ascension, there's outpouring, and there's the fulfilling of the mission. Do you see that? Three main teachings here that are vital. And I I could just, I could go on and on right here. I have to be careful here. I need to be very clear with you. Holy Spirit wants me to be very, very clear because my sermon today is this. Don't just stand there. I said, don't just stand there. Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? So people... Don't just stand there. So somebody help me preach today. Tell somebody, don't just stand there. Don't, I mean, whatever, whatever position you're in, don't just sit there, whatever. Amen. And, it, you know, asking the Holy Spirit, do you want me to be in this area? And Holy Spirit just talks to me constantly, all kinds of situations, you know, all kinds of situations. You know, I walked in the door and I said, Tam, how's your, how's your mama doing? She said, oh, much better. And I started talking to her about her mama. I said, you know, some people, and I've heard people say that after they've had a stent placed in, they feel their heart beating like it had never beat before. And it's like they had grown accustomed to the blood flow not working. And Tam looked at me and she said, that'll preach, pastor. And uh, how many know your heart could beat better? Anybody know that spiritually? So I just moments... Uh, so we, uh, had a wonderful little drive to Ohio. Saw, we went, we drove straight all the way through, uh, to, uh, Camden, Ohio, which is almost to Richmond, Indiana. Anybody know where I'm at? Okay. So saw my daddy there and then, uh, driving back and smelled a little rubber. Anybody ever smell something? He said, that ain't right with the car. We stopped it and we we're going to spend the night and I said, I'll figure this out in the morning. But I, I knew something was wrong, and when I turned to, went out and turned the car on, the engine light came on, hallelujah, and, and uh, it wasn't that it was hot, it was the, the I'm not, a, okay, just so you know, I'm a preacher, not a mechanic, okay, don't want to be a mechanic, all right, it's greasy, it's something other people need to do for me, all right, and so uh, we decided, well, we're just going to find some place, but, uh, you know, I called one place, and they said, well, you know, we can't, we can't get apart. We can't get you until next week. And I said, well, that's not good. I'm in a little town. I'm in Chillicothe, Ohio. There are some brothers out there. There's some mechanics with a shop, all right? And so uh, saw an address of one, decided not to call. We're just going to drive over, and the Lord provided. We drove down Watt Street, Chillicothe, between down Watt Street. There's the, a little cemetery there, and then there, there's Cheetles right there. Cheetles almost sounds dangerous. I'm going to go to Cheetles, you know, but... Uh, really, he, the owner walked out when I pulled in, told him what was going on. He said, I'll fix that for you. And so I said, hallelujah. And we'd prayed before, Lord, just provide somebody and fix this for us. And, you know, he said, now, I don't know if we'll have a part. But he got on his little computer. He said, I got a part just down the street. Just exactly what you need. And he said, now, you guys go walk around a cemetery or whatever. It's going to be a little while. And <laughs> Now, I could have called my brother, but we wanted to take a walk. We had been in the car for hours and hours and hours. We hadn't really taken a walk, so we decided we'd take about a two-mile walk. 
Uh, we had plenty of time, and we like to walk. We like to ride our bikes, so we just t- started walking. Anybody like to walk? Walking is the new run-in, brothers and sisters. So we have walk marathon. So uh, by the way, that walk down to the beach that we took for, uh, for Crisis Pregnancy Center, we didn't raise 2000 We raised $4,000 for that. So I praise God for that. So anyway, back to my story. Back to the story. Okay, so we take off walking, and we have some fun walking. Finally, we get to... Uh, Old Canal Smokehouse, which is right on the corner at Water Street. It's about almost two miles away. We, we hang out, and, and we're sitting there. We're going to have a smoked turkey sandwich. Oh my Lord. Hallelujah. Some really good coleslaw. I've been there a few times before. And, and we, get, we get a seat, and we had to wait a little while for the seat because of the distancing and all. We get a seat, and I sit like I like to sit. So I'll just tell you, I like to sit so that I can see the door. Okay. Now, the reason I like to do that is out of my, it's out of my old, you know, it was my, my big job. I worked at a restaurant and I was in management as a restaurant years ago. And if I took a break, I always watched the door to make sure that people got taken care of. Because even though I was sitting there, I was still in charge of things. All right. Does that make sense? All right. All right. So I'm watching the door. And uh, the food hasn't come. We're just sitting there. People sitting around. Uh, you know, people come. It's lunch hour. And some old fellow walks in the door. He's got a veteran's hat on. But he's, you know, his family evidently dropped him off at the front so he could go on in and get a seat. But when he walked in, he could hardly get up. And he reached up and grabbed the frame of the door to pull himself in. And it concerned me. And so uh, I started going over to him. I left my seat and headed that direction. But before I could get to him, he starts to fall and he grabs the door and his pants fell down all the way to his ankles. All right. Now that's, that's sad. And some of you are laughing at the same time. All right. So uh, I thought, dear Lord Jesus, here's this veteran saying, I, I, you know, you, you, in your mind, I, you just got to do stuff. All right. So I stood in front of him and said, don't worry, I'm blocking the view. If you want to go ahead and take care of yourself, you know, and he said, thank you, you know, kind of whispered back and forth and reached down, pulls his pants up. And as he's pulling his pants up, he falls backwards and is going through the door. So I grab him and I pull him back in the door. And now I have to hold him while he corrects everything that needs to be corrected. And then we start talking. No, we didn't. There are certain moments where you don't have a conversation. <laughs> it's like, we don't want to talk about this. Let's just go ahead and act like this did not happen. Let's just act like it didn't happen. And I understood that. I mean, we're guys, all right? I mean, if a guy loses pants in front of everybody, let's just not talk about that, all right? He don't know me. I don't know him. So I can talk about this all day in church today, and nobody's going to know. That might know where the restaurant is. But, but I, there was a, you know, it just kind of caught me. And I helped him. He walked, he walked on back, and, and then his family came on in. They didn't even know what had happened. They sat down. He's not telling nobody. They're just ordering food. Me and him and everybody else is quiet. All right. When we finally left, uh, he looked up at me as I was going out the door and he gave me one of these and I gave him one of these and off we went, you know, and, and it just, again, things just kind of jump into my spirit. And if you haven't realized that this world that we are living in is falling exposed backwards through a door that is leading to total destruction, you're just not paying attention. And you can sit quietly all day and you can say, well, everything's all right. You can do that. But the world, the generations have just fallen apart and we're just, but at least we're in church and at least we have Bibles and, and come on. Amen. At the beginning of the season, I had a vision of a broken generation. 
I'm talking about last year at the beginning of the season, and it left me weeping in the middle of the night. And the, the question is not whether or not Jesus is coming. We know Jesus is coming. But while we're busy hoarding gasoline and toilet paper and fighting about masks and vaccines, a generation of people are being lost. Our babies are being lost. Our grandbabies are being lost. They're confused. They don't know. And all we're saying is don't do that. Don't do this. There is a bigger issue than don't do things. It is that people are so broken and so lost. They don't even believe there is a Holy Ghost. The message of the ascension is large and is theologically deep. But the angel of the Lord who appeared before the disciples, perhaps the same angel that met Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and Martha and John the Baptist, is, is wrapping this covenant work up. He's been busy flying around, getting everybody together, and finally we finish this particular part, and, and Jesus goes up. He's told them everything they're supposed to do, and they're just standing there. Just standing there. Wow. I don't know. I might have done it as well. But, but, I mean, here's the great message. You know, don't just stand there with an occasional church attendance, an old Bible in your hand, and a few Bible stories that you can recite. Don't just stand there. Do something. Don't just stand there. After all that I've done, after all that Jesus has accomplished, after all that he said, and he gives you one more direction, I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to wait until the outpouring of my spirit comes. But no, they don't get it. You know, any parents in the room who said, look, I need you to go clean your room, and your kid says, and then you say something like, when I said go and do this, I meant Go and do this. So don't just stand there. Go into his presence. Don't just stand there. I'm going to give you a few points. All right? I got two and a half minutes. Don't just stand there. Go into his presence. Write it down. As he's taken up, and we see him taken up. You know the the ascension really matters, right? It's like... Jesus died, you know, he, he came, he lived. If Jesus had lived a sinless life and that was it, that would not mean he was the Messiah. He had to die on the cross. It's the Old Testament he died on the cross. The, the Old Testament, Isaiah clearly tells us throughout Scripture, he would be bruised, he would be beaten. He would be a, a man of suffering. He died. And also that he rose again, he had to rise again. But he also had to ascend to heaven. Because if he had risen again and just walked around, that would not have been enough. Rising from the dead. Lazarus was risen from the dead. Uh, but that didn't mean he was the Messiah. Jesus rose from the dead. He proved that he was alive by many infallible proofs. And then he ascended and he sat down with the Father. So let me say this. He lived, he died, he rose again. He ascended to heaven and then he sat down at the right hand of the Father. I'm, I, wanna, I want you to hear this. He had to sit down. Amen. He had, I'll explain this. He had to ascend because he had to enter the presence of the, of the Father. And he had to sit down. If he did not sit down, then your prayers don't matter. Amen. Amen. And if he did not sit down 
then he is not coming back again. There's lots of scripture regarding this, but has anybody ever uh, played football before? Anybody played football on a team? Anybody ever done that like me? Or anybody been to football practice? Anybody? Anybody? Come on. Who had football practice besides me? Okay. So football practice is painful. It's difficult, but ain't nothing compared to football season. All of the, all of the practice, there's another term that we could use. We don't call it that, but it's rehearsal. Everything that you do is to prepare you for the real thing. Because when I tackle somebody in practice, it's not that I am tackling the opposing team. Does that make sense to anyone? You see, it was training. Okay, let me, I'm a military. Anybody been to boot camp before? All right, all right. Boot camp is tough, am I right? But it's not as tough as the Gulf War. Can I get an amen? It's not as tough. Where's my veterans at? It ain't tough as Vietnam, right? It's not the same thing as actually being shot at. It's not the same thing. There is a purpose in it, but it's not the same. Now, you know scriptures, and you probably look in Luke 16. Luke 16 is the beginning of the establishment of the tabernacle. Luke 16, uh, 2, and Luke 16 and 6. In those particular scriptures, you can see some of the outline of what's going on in the Old Testament. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, your brother, brother not to come uh, at just any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat, which is on the ark, lest he die for I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. And some of you say, that means nothing to me, Pastor. I've never read these scriptures before. So, in the Old Testament, until the time of Christ, there was a temple or a tabernacle. And that is where you brought your sacrifices, all right? And it's very interesting if you follow, uh, if you follow what's going on here uh, the, the tabernacle, just the way that it is established, the way uh, that the tabernacle is set up, it's, it, is, it has the different courts, different places where certain people can be. But then after you get beyond that, uh, you find the order of things. And there is there's an incredible order of the tabernacle. But as, as they come into the tabernacle, one of the things that you find is an altar, and there's a place where sacrifices is made. And then you can look over to one side and you'll find golden uh, candlesticks. And on the others, you find the table of showbread. And all of these things are symbolic and they are necessary. But then you go and there in front the constant burning of incense. And then there is a veil. And then the priest goes, can go behind the veil. Before the priest goes behind the veil... He has to, first of all, wash himself. He has to make a sacrifice for himself. He has to be washed. Sacrifice has to be made. And then, and only at certain times, can he go beyond the veil. And he takes blood. And there is an ark. The ark of the covenant is on the inside. Inside the ark. How many have ever heard of the Ten Commandments? The Ten Commandments are in the covenant, in the ark, the, the box, and inside of it is also Aaron's rod. And, but it, there's a seat, and there's two golden angels carved out there, and then the glory of the Lord shines there. So they come in, and they pour out the blood of the sacrifices. People come and bring sacrifices, but they can't go in only once a year. Can an atonement is sacrifice made for all of the people? There is a holy place, and there is a priest 
There's a lot of stuff. I mean, it's also interesting that the tabernacle is designed in the shape of a cross. And the, and the tribes of Israel, they camp out in the large shape of a cross. It's not a cross, but it's the shape of a cross. There's other things that interest me as well when I look at this, and that is that uh, the sacrifices do not cleanse them from sin. Even though they make sacrifices, they do not cleanse them from sin. And there's a high priest that goes into the Holy of Holies, but he is not the high priest. He, he cannot. One of the things the scripture teaches us is that he is not allowed to sit down in the holy place. He can go there. He can make a sacrifice. But guess what? He's going to have to come back again and make the sacrifice over and over again. It's football practice, baby. It's boot camp. It is a thing, but it's not the real thing. Because eventually it will be destroyed. Solomon will have a temple. Herod will have a temple. But if you go to Jerusalem right now, there is no temple. There are no priests going anywhere. Because when Jesus died and he said, it is finished that veil supernaturally was ripped in two. And Jesus, before he died, looked at his disciples and said, don't get caught up in this building because not very day, many days from now, it will be destroyed. Not one stone will rest upon another. There has been no more temple since Jesus sat down in the real temple. Somebody needs to wake up this Sunday morning. Don't just stand there. After all that Jesus did, he now invites you to go into his presence. In Hebrews chapter 10, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. This is written in a book called Hebrews. Two Hebrews who had never, come on, they went, they made sacrifice. It never worked. Amen. Jesus made one sacrifice and it still works today. And we should have confidence to enter the most holy place. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, who is the great priest over the house of God? Jesus. Jesus. If you read Hebrews, you'll learn this, okay? Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. You say, well, what does that mean? You see, they had come in and used just earthly water to wash themselves. They had come in, and even though certain people could go so far, only certain people could even come into the courts. And now everyone from every tribe and tongue and nation is given the right to go and stand in the presence of the holy God. Literally, he's calling us into his very presence by faith through Jesus because Jesus died, rose again, ascended, and sat down. Now we are invited into the presence of God. You don't get this. You just think you get to pray. No, no, no. You get to boldly go into the presence of God where Jesus dwells. Don't, pre don't pretend. I mean, in church, I think we sometimes pretend, yes? 
We came to church. And we're going to lift hands. Dance a little bit. And sometimes we'll get really loud just to sound spiritual. Ah, I got to quit preaching now. I'm just hurting people's feelings. He says, I want you. I'm pointing to come into my presence. Jesus, my two minutes. Go in and ask for whatever you want, whatever you need in the middle. Come on, come on. Go on in. And, you know, right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. He wasn't talking about exactly where they were. In the Sermon on the Mount, when he was talking, giving the Beatitudes, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be filled. And then he says, ask and it will be given. They have never asked and had it given. They had never sought and found. But Jesus is saying, when I go to heaven and I sit down, you can ask, you can seek, you can knock. There is actually a door. I am now the door. It's totally foreign. Some, some of you are still struggling, and it's because you're stuck in a pre-saved situation. You're almost saved, not quite saved. So don't just stand there. Get saved. Don't just stand there. Get your salvation. Don't just stand there. That's my next slide. Don't just stand there. Get your salvation. All right, somebody say it. Go get your salvation. Say it. Go get your salvation. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You see, that's more than just words. Confess with your mouth Jesus is the Lord. He is who he said he was. Come on. Anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses All who call on him, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Today is the day of salvation. Come on. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. That's Acts 1.11. The same Jesus, the angel said, who was taken up from you into heaven will so come again in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Let me ask you, how many believe Jesus died? Anybody believe he died? How many believe he rose again? How many believe he's coming again? Do you believe just as he came and died, he is also coming again? Stop. Come on. So stop holding on to your sin. Stop holding on. You can be forgiven. And stop holding on to your pain. Your prayers are about to be answered. And because of the cross, your sins will never be remembered against you. Get saved. Okay, look at somebody. Tell them, you need to get saved. Tell them, you need to get, tell them, you need to get saved. Anybody feel this right now? Amen. All right, you need to get saved. You're condemning me. No, no, I'm not condemning. You're already condemned. Amen. I can't condemn you. I'm just a guy. Well, you're making me feel bad. That's not me. That's Holy Spirit. So I don't even know if I know Jesus. You need to know that you know that you know that you know that you know Jesus. Don't just stand there. Go into his presence because Jesus sat down and then get saved. And then don't just stand there. Get your revelation. I've got to be done. Somebody stand so I can finish this sermon and we can pray. I don't have communion or anything. So Uh, don't just stand there. Get your revelation. 
Being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. And I'll preach more about this next week at our great uh, Pentecost Sunday. Read this with me. Wait for the promise of the Father, which he said. Read, 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 say this. Read it out loud. You have heard from me. Read it. For John truly... Not reading. Come on. Read it out loud. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now remember, the term baptized means to be continually baptized. Did you understand that? We think baptized. Yep, got baptized. I'm done. I'm going to go back and live with my homie, you know. No, no, no. You give your life to Jesus, you need to move out of fornication. Okay? All right? That's just the truth. This is the word of God. But, but we're in love. That's cool. But there's somebody that loves you more than that individual, and that is Jesus. And he loves you differently because he doesn't just want what he can get from you. Oh, quit, Pastor Rick. Just quit. Stop preaching. Again, I'm always watching to hear from the Lord. And on the way home, I had phone calls. And the phone calls were, you better get back fast because there's no gas in Virginia. And I said, you know, my car gets like 29 miles to a gallon. I knew if I filled up at the end of West Virginia, I could drive all the way to Virginia Beach. I knew that, all right? That's pretty cool. You know, and like 12 gallons of gas, you know, I can come all the way to Virginia Beach from West Virginia. Bam, I knew that. But I was a little concerned, so I had my gas buddy out. Anybody have a gas buddy app on your phone? I had gas buddy out. So, um, I mean, the real fact is that the East Coast has been victims of terrorism. The attack on the fuel line was a terrorist attack against us. All we're concerned with is whether or not we get gas. They took control of the pipeline. Somebody paid the ransom. That's what I heard. Somebody can fix that. Somebody paid the ransom so that you could have gas. And you're all happy because you have gas, right? All right, you're all happy. And I'm saying... Paid who? What? I'm not sure you're getting this. And at all, I could kind of hear the Lord saying, the enemy has attacked my people. I'm not talking about the gas. That you were at one time receiving my word and my revelation, but you no longer listen to my word because your hearts have been hacked. You're listening to other words that satisfy you. I just won't use your power anymore. I'll go find a different kind of power to live by. Preach, Pastor. They hear the voice of fear now. and They hear the voice of chaos. When I told them, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, and out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. Come to me, and I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Come on, Acts 2.17. It will come to pass in the last days, saith God, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And I'm reading this right now and you're saying, well, that's got to be a metaphor. No! It's not! 
And he goes on and says, and on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit. People saying, we need equality. Holy Spirit gave equality a long time before anybody else. Aren't you thankful for every tribe and every tongue and every nation? The only way we can have equality in the world is by the Holy Spirit and by the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything else will fail. Can I get like a black and a white amen right now? Can I get but then he goes on and says, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why? Because Jesus sat down. Because he ascended and he sat down. You know what we need? We need a fresh outpouring. We need a fresh awakening. We need to learn how to listen to the Lord again. I I don't have time to teach you on listening prayer right now, but you need to go into the presence of the Lord with an ink pen in your hand. I say ink pen because if you have your phone, you will go back to Facebook. You will, all right? Go with an ink pen in your hand. Be silent. Go away. Jesus went into the desert in order to spend time with the Father. Find a room. Find a bench in the backyard. Spend time in his presence. So let's have a little communion. I have, you guys need to, as soon as you take this communion, any of my Spirit Life team that will come and stand up front, okay, will you? And... And quickly, you got to move like fast, really fast. Here we go. The bread is the body of our Lord Jesus. The bread is what? The body of our Lord. He wants communion with us. The Lord Jesus, where is he? Where is he? He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, but he's also right here with us. My, my body broken for you. Take and receive this and remember me. The cup. What does the cup represent? We hold in our hands what? The blood of Christ. The, every, the blood of the new covenant. Jesus said, my blood poured out for you. Take it and receive it in remembrance of me. Take it and receive it. Remember the Lord. So, I don't know what you're dealing with, but I want wherever you are, to take the next 30 seconds and do one of two things, okay? One is, I want you to go into the presence of the Lord wherever you are. Secondly, in the next 30 seconds when I tell you, some of you need prayer. Listen to me. It's not whether you want it or not, okay? Anybody go to the doctor on occasion and you just wake up and say, yay, I get to go to the doctor. Nobody does that. People say, well, you know, I'm kind of, this is not going to the doctor, This is going into the presence of the Lord. Two or three agree with me on anything. It'll be done. It is individuals that have prepared their hearts in order to pray with you. So some of you desperately need prayer. One of the things you need prayer for is you need to get your life right with Jesus. You need to go in the presence and have somebody go into the presence of the Lord with you. Some of you might have sickness. You might have struggles, relational problems, and you don't know what to do. You need to agree. You need to talk with somebody and have them pray with you. And don't 
don't hesitate about this. Don't just kind of vacillate back and forth. If you need prayer, today is your day for prayer. All right? Close your eyes. Is there anyone that needs prayer? Wave your hand at me and say, I need prayer today. Wave your hand. I need somebody to pray with me. All right, now put your hands back down. So one of two things is going to happen now. Some of you are going to take the next 30 seconds and just stand in the presence of the Lord. Talk to him for a moment and then be dismissed after you finish that 30 seconds. Those of you that lifted your hands and others who are, were struggling, you're going to leave your seats and people are going to, you're going to meet. You can, I have several men over here and ladies and men on my left side. You can come and they will pray with you. Are you ready? Father, we thank you for what you're doing. We now enter into your presence. We come for prayer. We seek your face in Jesus' name. Everyone seek the face of the Lord. Those of you lifted your hands swiftly, begin to move towards the front and find someone who will meet with you and pray with you now. Thank you, Father. Come on. There are lots of you lifted your hands. Don't be, don't, don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. Just come for prayer. We just break the power of the enemy that causes us to hesitate, Father. In the name of Jesus, who has sat down at the right hand of God for us, we praise you now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Sing. You are enough. Sing. you are enough. I will be content change every circumstance. When you choose to be dismissed, when you choose, when you choose to be dismissed, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. Be dismissed when you choose. God bless you. I love you. Sing, sing.